Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You should turn this off right now. Delete. You don't want to listen to this. This isn't what you were looking for. It's not. You have come to the wrong place. Or we have come with the wrong thing. <laughs> listen. Hi, it's Kristen and Jenny. You know us, we think. Um, we didn't tell you last week on our episode for Bad Eggs. You might remember it. It went something like this. Bad Eggs! Was that good, Jenny? <laughs> that was great. Uh, we didn't tell you that because Jenny was on tour. Jenny, how was your tour? It was so fun. Oh, it sounded so fun. It was so great. So many people brought Buffy DVDs for me to sign. We didn't tell you that because Jenny was on tour. Uh, we are doing a mailbag episode this week and then coming at you hot, hot, hot on April 19th with what you have all been waiting for, the episode surprise. Yay! Followed immediately the following week on the 26th by the other episode you've been waiting for, Innocence. Yay! We have a great mailbag ahead. A great mailbag. But you guys have been stressing me out all week because everyone <laughs> keeps tweeting and emailing and being like, oh my God, we're so excited. We've watched every episode. We're ready. And I keep like emailing people back and tweeting at everyone back and being like, oh guys, uh, is this a mailbag next week? And then... And then after that is the one that you're looking for. Um, so I feel I'm, I've been racked with guilt. Um, racked. Racked with all the guilt um, because we didn't give you a heads up. We promised to always give you a heads up in the future. Because we felt so bad, we decided to plan our next Buffy Watch, which is open to anyone who is a patron of ours at the dollar level or more. So all of our patrons, any of our patrons, the next Buffy Watch is going to be on April 24th. It's a Monday. It's going to be at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And we are all going to watch Surprise together. It will be the week that falls in between Surprise and Innocence, or the Monday that falls between, I should say, Surprise and Innocence. So mark your calendars for that. Uh, we will all get to watch it together. And now you know that there are two surprises. One is the episode, and the other one is Surprise. This is not Surprise. It's a mailbag. <laughs> Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where usually we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time, but not this week. This week we've got other plans. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this right here, this is a mailbag episode. It's where we have mail that is in a bag. Yep, we pull it one, we pull the mail out of the bag one at a time. Like a sack, like Santa's. Santa's, yeah. Gift set. I don't want to say sack anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but so here we are. Yeah, we, we get incredible email from so many of you. And so we try to do a mailbag episode, you know, every month and a half or so, because mm -hmm, by that mm -hmm. time, we have stacked it up to the ceiling. And so we handpick some of our favorites and respond right here 
in real time on the podcast. <laughs> right here in real time. <laughs> I've turned, I don't know. I think I've been possessed by an announcer ghost. Um, I am into it. Mm-hmm. So how are you? How am I? Jenny said before we started recording, hey, what do you think about us talking to each other before we read some of the mail? And I was like, Sure, sure, we can talk. Are you using this as a platform to discuss things that you don't want to discuss off air? You're like, I like, was thinking about buying a new guitar. Right. Oh, God, I really was thinking about that. I'm thinking about that every day. You can safely assume that's right. always on my mind. Right, right. right. Um, what kind of things do you want to talk about, Jenny? Well, we just watched the trailer for Colossal. Oh, man. And it looks spectacular it really looks spectacular i saw a tweet from the av club that was like paraphrasing here but it was like this film colossal helped anne hathaway and jason sudeikis understand uh men activists or act you know like men's rights activists. men's rights activists and i was like click <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then when i clicked i read like the first couple of sentences of the uh review or no it was an interview with i think anne hathaway uh, on the AV Club, and uh, the first few sentences were like, this in this movie about a woman who can turn into a giant monster uh, in Japan by standing in a spot in a playground in the United States. Unbelievable. That also tackles things like uh, men's rights and, um, you know, female empowerment. I was like, what? And I clicked on the trailer, and I made Jenny sit and watch it with me, and now we are really excited. So excited to see that. I mean, it seems right in our wheelhouse, if yeah. you will. Yeah, up Jenny and Kristen Alley. Yeah, monsters, patriarchy. Uh-huh. Come on, Anne Hathaway. Mm. You don't like Anne Hathaway? Well, watching that trailer, just like, I have a... Complex. Uh, complex relationship with Anne Hathaway. You have a Hathaway complex? I have a Hathaway <laughs> complex. But I do like, um, I have enjoyed watching her act. In fact, one of our very first dates was watching Rachel getting married. That's true. It was. In which she is uh, One great. of our very first dates. It was our very first date. Well, I guess like date. Um, wow. What? <laughs> gotta go. So anyway. <laughs> What a delight to be discussing exciting things with you. Yeah, you see, are you backtracking now, wishing that you had yeah. not enticed us to yeah. talk about our personal lives? Let's get to that mail. <laughs> the mail's just burning a, Great. a well, hole in my We're going to do our best hand. to see Colossal in the next few weeks as soon as it comes out. So you should see it too, because maybe we'll talk about it on a future podcast. Yep. Maybe, just yep. maybe, if we actually get to the movies. Um, okay, moving right along to the uh, controversial topic of vampire hair. Yes. Jenny, why don't you read to us? We have we've gotten several emails in response to our question of whether or not vampires' hair can grow, which was kind of based on your perception that angels' hair never changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. right. A lot of people had a lot of thoughts. Mary B and Melissa B, not related. Ah, that to we our know no- of. to our knowledge. Right. Both wrote in. Uh, so let's hear what they have to say. So Mary B writes. We do see evidence of at least one vampire's hair growth over the course of the show. It's not that noticeable when it comes to length, but the vampire in question apparently dyes their hair and at one point has roots in their natural color. Mm. Good eye, Mary B. Good eye, Mary B. And nice work not spoiling anything in that telling of your noticing of the vampire hair growth. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Melissa B., Wrote in to say, Angel's hair length definitely changes. It's much longer in his vampire adolescence slash the early years. Other than explaining with metaphysics, Metaphysics. I do... Metaphysics. 
Metaphysics. <laughs> I do have a friend that is blind that shaves by touch. He's quite adept at it, but tells me it took years not to get cuts. Angel heals very quickly, so I guess it's less of an issue for vampires. Maybe there are vampire hairstylists? Serious life questions. Right. So, so Melissa is commenting both on our question about hair growth as well as we asked, how does Angel shave if he can't see himself in the mirror? Um, Melissa bringing Melissa, one of a couple of people bringing something very um, important to our attention, which is that mm. there are blind people who shave their faces and are capable of doing that. And of course, it takes time to learn, but uh, that Angel would be able to do something similar here uh, with practice and have an easier time because his nicks and cuts, they just seal right up. Right, 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 right. I have a related question that uh, sprang to mind most recently while watching the People and Entertainment Weekly Buffy 20th Anniversary Reunion uh -huh. vibe thing. That's uh, the title. Is, that's the official title. Yeah, that's. they <laughs> called me up and said, what should the title be? And I was like, here it is. And they were like, great, great, great. great. We always call well, Jenny for succinct titles. Yeah. <laughs> so my question is, perhaps, does David Boreanaz's hair grow? Because <laughs> so you... He has had the same hairstyle for the past 20 years. It was slightly longer in Buffy times. Mm -hmm. uh, but all throughout his long, the 12 seasons of Bones that he has filmed, <laughs> uh, he's just had that wow, straight that up in the really? air like he, like he saw a ghost. Does, does Bones really have 12 seasons? Um, yeah. Wow. Who knew? There's uh, so many seasons. Yeah, I mean, so I think what you're bringing to our attention, Jenny, is that perhaps we got distracted in the lore of monsterdom. Mm. Uh, we were ignoring the question that was right in front of us this whole time. Which is, David Boreanaz, what are you? What indeed. <laughs> so uh, this next email comes in from Ashley, and it is for you, Jenny. Uh, Ash Ashley, listen to our last mailbag episode in which you told a story about a dream you had where a witch put some worms and other nonsense at your feet. Blah, blah, blah. Ashley says, uh, Jenny, I'm listening to this mailbag episode and I got a major case of the shivers. When I was a child, somewhere between four and six, I had a dream that Ronald McDonald was under my bed sticking me in between my toes with needles. Mwah. I am so sorry, everyone. Ashley, this is horrible. Still to this day, says Ashley, I have a hard time sleeping if the covers are not tightly tucked in at the foot of the bed. Ashley, that's terrible. It's almost as terrible as that bug that hatches out of the egg and bad eggs. Almost. Not quite for me. Yeah, no, no, the, the egg bug is still worse yeah. than this. But this is pretty bad, especially, man, Ronald McDonald. Yeah, ooh, Ronald McDonald. Of all the clowns. Ooh, Rough clown. It's a rough clown. Listen, I don't like clowns. Not many people, I think, like clowns. Sorry, clowns. Um, <laughs> no uh, offense, clowns. No offense to you, clowns, but you can be scary. But why are you so creepy? Well, I mean, I think clowns have been used for as long as we've been alive as horror, horror movie plot, plot devices. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Anybody seen Poltergeist? Mm. Oh, man, that clown. That is the worst. Yeah, Ronald McDonald ain't got nothing on the poltergeist clown. That clown is just something. But, you know, this is terrifying, Ashley. And there's something, too, about, like, the foot of the bed. Um, or under the, like, under the bed is obviously, like, the place where we're always afraid of things and, you know, I what's under there. I would take a flying leap if I had to, because my light switch was by the door, but then Oof. my bed was on the <gasps> other side of the room. Ugh. So I would go running and, mm -hmm. like, jump into my bed to avoid getting anywhere near the edge of under the bed right? where whatever was under there. Because you would grab my ankle. Yes, and because you can't see it, because you cannot see it. And that's, like, not to, not to keep talking about bad eggs again, but, like, that's kind of what is so scary about that scene, too. It's, like, Ugh. yeah, the mo the 
bug is scary or the whatever it is, uh, the baby bzor. Um, huh. I hope she has a baby bzorn for her baby bzor. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, it's because she can't see where it is. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is to not be able to see what is happening. And you cannot see what's happening at your feet when you're in bed. <sighs> oh, it's bad. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. You know what? Let's talk about libraries. Please. Now, this is a, this is a longer email, but it is but great. But it is great. There's, yeah. a couple, there's a couple of emails that we're going to read that are a little bit longer than our typical emails. But they have made it in because they are phenomenal. Um, Chris B., Possibly in. related to Mary B. and Melissa B. <laughs> Why is everyone's last initial B? Uh, Chris B. writes in, As a former late 90s teenager and current children's librarian, I wanted to write in and offer you plausible explanation for one of the show's most baffling mysteries. Why doesn't anyone other than the Scooby gang go into the school library? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Up until the mid-90s, students had to visit the library in order to do research for papers, projects, etc. A library was pretty much their only source for reference materials. However, with the advent of personal computers and access to the internet, those materials became conveniently gathered and organized on the web and or in helpful encyclopedia CD-ROMs. Remember Encarta? <laughs> I do, Crispy. I do remember Encarta. By 96, 97, most high school students could now do their research more conveniently at home or in designated school computer labs. Compounding this issue was the fact that while a fair number of librarians at the time embraced the computer revolution, many felt more like Giles, preferring card catalogs to search engines. I still feel that way. <laughs> this, too, often led to a disconnect between student and librarian, a growing sense that librarians, and therefore libraries, were old-fashioned or obsolete, and a corresponding decreasing interest in libraries as anything other than a glorified study space for nerds. In quotes. Yes, nerds is in quotes because we don't – we know what a nerd is and a nerd is not what a nerd seems. Goodbye. <laughs> Crispy continues, big chain bookstores also became more widespread during the 90s, offering cheap books for sale and leading to non-voracious readers uh, avoiding libraries altogether. All of which leads us up to the Sunnydale High School Library where there seems to be a total of one computer available for use. <laughs> A collection heavily weighted in favor of folklore and the occult. A librarian who, while personable and always rocking a tweed suit, didn't like the internet or technology in general. And a small group of wacky kids always hanging out and talking about monsters during their many, in quotes, free periods, i.e. cut classes. It's somewhat understandable that few students would want or need to go into that library, particularly if they peered through those little round windows one day on the way to class and spotted scattered piles of medieval weaponry, a blonde girl beating up the librarian with a quarterstaff, <laughs> or demons popping out of the floor. Great points. Great points Crispy. all. Oh, Crispy, my favorite librarian uh, after Giles. Sorry, yeah. but I'm sure you'll understand, Crispy. Uh, but librarian number two goes You're to you. You're in Kristen's top two librarians of all time. <laughs> Congratulations. Congrats. Um, I just loved this. Uh, I don't even have that much to say about it. Crispy has said all of the things that need to be said. Um, but we were talking a little bit last episode about, like, the mall and, and like, the position of mm. the mall in culture. And, the, and I think this kind of falls in the same line right, right. of, like, what the internet does to physical like what it did in the 90s and still is doing to physical spaces yeah um and i think what's really interesting is that now we're in the year 2017 i'm saying that clearly in case this sound file is picked up in space one day right. <laughs> our podcast goes on like the next voyager <laughs> 
Um, but like now in the year 2017, I think we're also seeing the internet and and like our progression with the internet affecting physical spaces and physical items in a little bit of the opposite way. Like at first, like libraries and physical products and like going to the mall sort of were pushed more away. And I think now we're seeing, you know, vinyl for like vinyl is a thing that I think a lot about and like physical books and zines um, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. things like this being um, popularized again uh, as sort of like a pushback against how they were pushed away. Right, 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 right. Push, right. push, 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 push. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, guys. I get what you're saying. Maybe I need a trip to the library. <laughs> I would love to take you. Also, I actually go I to the love... library all the time. Me too. I don't know if you knew that because we, <laughs> we, yeah, we don't, don't talk. spend a lot of time together. <laughs> so you don't know a lot about my day-to-day activities right. and I don't know about yours. No, but we, yeah, Jenny and I are big library people. We work at the library. Jenny is always taking books out from the library. Love taking them books out. Anyway, you were going to say something. Who can say? What you were going to say? Nobody. I think I was going to say I love physical items. Speaking of the... Intangibles, zero and one items. Yeah, that's us. I mean, when we moved here to California, the friends uh, who helped us move into our home here in California were so mad at us because we had four million boxes that weighed four million pounds each because we had so many books. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of people we are. Anyhow, on onwards and upwards to my favorite email of all time. Yes. Back when we watched The Dark Age and we chatted with our pal Stuart McLean, who portrayed Philip Henry, who is uh, first a dude and then a reanimated corpse <laughs> in the episode. And we saw Philip Henry in the morgue mm-hmm. all uh, bruised with these splotchy bruises all over his body. And I was like, WTF? Yeah. Is that the corpse norm? And I think I said about as much on our our episode of the podcast for that episode. And immediately, if not sooner, Delisa P. wrote in, I teach anatomy. After a person dies, the blood in their body pools downward, parentheses, gravity, giving the appearance of bruises. That is the entire email. Yes. I love it. I love this email too because it was like, listen, here's a you have a question, here's an answer. I don't have any more time for any more nonsense. Here's <laughs> here's what I have to say about bruising. And I love it. I love every bit of it. Um, I think the next email is is related. Yes, also from the science lab. Also from the science lab, also from the dark age. Nathan wrote in. Uh, saying, regarding the question of acid in the Dark Age, the question was um, that Ethan Rain used sulfuric acid to remove burn a tattoo, off right? his tattoo, or at least that's what we were to believe. We weren't sure if that was actually something that could happen. And Nathan, don't you worry. Don't anyone worry, because Nathan said, regarding this question, my boyfriend is a scientist who works with sulfuric acid and spills it on himself regularly. He says that it is almost certainly not an option for tattoo removal, as he still has all of his skin. (laughs) We should all be so lucky to still have all of our skin. Yeah, so thank you, Nathan. We're glad your boyfriend has all of his skin, and we're also happy to know that uh, sulfuric acid is uh, probably won't remove your tattoo. I mean, I don't know that I would say that. Then we once feared. Disclaimer. Don't drink it. Disclaimer. Don't drink it. Good lord. Um, something I think that is also super fun, um, is a conversation around the cross. Um, we're skipping a little ahead now to the episode with Kendra. Um, what is, what is the episode uh, where Kendra appears for the Uh, first time? What's my line? What's my line? Where we notice that Buffy's cross 
that she was wearing, her her necklace was smaller when she was kissing Angel on the ice rink and then throughout that episode. And many of you had cross theories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren M., I think it could symbolize how Buffy's cross to bear has gotten smaller now that Kendra is on the scene. Mm-hmm. There's more than one Slayer. Uh, and so, you know, her cross to bear is not quite as heavy. I love that, Lauren uh-huh. M. Uh-huh. Uh, Kaylee W., Buffy's tiny cross might have been a wardrobe choice so that Kendra could reasonably think Buffy was a vampire without a billboard-sized Jesus necklace gleaming across an ice rink to indicate (laughs) otherwise. Thank you, Kaylee. Also, I think, uh, spectacular reasoning here. And then someone, and I'm so sorry to whoever you are, but someone tweeted at us, and I remember the tweet, but I cannot find it. Uh, But this was my favorite theory. Um, I think that it will burn less... Uh, because Angel and Buffy are making out a bunch now. So so right, the right, theory right. here being that that Buffy had to downsize. Yeah, because we know that Angel can't keep his shirt closed. Oh, no, for heavens no. Buffy really needs to minimize the size of the cross she's wearing at a given time. Yes. So Kaylee writes additionally in her email, um, we, we heard her, her tiny cross theory, but Kaylee also writes to us about something else that happened in What's My Line, which is when Oz says to Willow that he is... Pra- he's been practicing his E flat diminished ninth. Is that what he says? That he's practicing his E flat diminished ninth? Oh, that he aspires to that. That he aspires to that. So Kaylee says, Jenny, is E flat. Oh, and he, he calls it, what's important is he aspires to that and he calls it a man's chord. Hmm. So Kaylee says, Jenny, is E flat diminished ninth some kind of holy grail for guitar on a scale of one to the patriarchy? How offensive is the term man's chord? Oh, boy. So we actually talked about this in the episode and ended up taking it out because, like, I just, like, can't. Jenny had had some difficulty explaining this because it is because you're a a girl. Right, because women don't know as much about it. And you don't because it's a man's chord. What is a man's chord? We should have done for this episode, we should have invited a man over. To explain. To explain. Any man, actually. It didn't even have to be a man who knows about music because just by default of being a man, they would probably be able to explain to us what an E-flat diminished ninth is. So the way that chords are uh, made, Mm -hmm. they're made up of a bunch of different notes. Mm -hmm. And the the chord has different qualities based on what notes are selected and, you know, what notes are in or outside of the key. Interesting. Um, So E-flat diminished ninth actually goes by other names as well. Uh, because if you shuffle the notes around... Does it go by the name the Patriarchy Chord? It goes by the name <laughs> the Patriarchy Chord. <laughs> sorry, sorry. If you shuffle no, things no, no, around... No, no, no. It's fine. Part of it is interpretation. So, like, a chord could contain five notes, mm-hmm. and those five notes could equal an E-flat diminished ninth, or the more commonly used name for it, F7-flat-9. You've got an E-flat, a G-flat, an A, an F, and a C, Right? And those notes can be shuffled around into a different order or into, you know, a different mental order for you to understand a different note in the chord as being the root, the E flat or the F. And then you sort of interpret what the nature of the chord is based around where you're hearing the root. How did it make you feel when it was called a man's chord, Jenny? Um, irritated? Can you, pl- like, is it, is it a chord you can play on, like, a piano? Yeah. Sure. Can you yeah. do that for us? Can you play us? Or or do we need a man? Mm, let's get a man in here. <laughs> can you can Actually, you Actually, yeah, give me your phone. So we're looking at E flat, G flat, A, C, F. Listen to that chord. 
Oh, it's actually kind of pretty. Wow. Thank you, Jenny, so much for that beautiful musical lesson, both teaching us, teaching us two things, teaching us about the uh, E-flat diminished ninth and teaching us about the power of feminism. <laughs> is that what I did? <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I think so. Okay, let's uh let's talk about ghosts. Y'all ready for y'all ready for a little email here? I'm ready for ghosts. This is a great email. Jenny, would you like me to read this email? Uh, or would you like to this is the long email. I know sometimes I you would... don't like to read aloud long emails. I'd love to give it. A stab. Ooh, she's going to do it. She's going to do it, folks. Jenny Owen Young's reading an email from Adam T. Hold your applause. <laughs> During the Lie to Me episode, you mentioned some weird encounters you've both had, which you attributed to ghosts. I recently came across some information that may give a scientific explanation for ghost sightings. As an audio engineer, this information made me really excited, as it has to do with sound. As you may or may not know, Different sounds can have different physical effects on our bodies. 
While you may assume that this would only apply to sounds that we can hear, even sounds we can't hear can still have an effect on our bodies. Many studies have shown that even though we can't hear sounds outside of our frequency range, we can still perceive them, and they can cause different effects on the body. One such range of frequencies is from 7 to 19 hertz, just below the hearing range of humans. Scienti scientists have found that frequencies in this range can induce fear or panic. They believe that we evolved this trait as a source of protection against dangers like earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, as both, <laughs> as both produce frequencies within the 7 to 19 hertz range. So how does this explain ghost sightings? Well, pipes commonly found in houses and buildings can produce frequencies in this range if they are the right size and length. So a haunted house may not actually have ghosts, but pipes that are producing low frequencies that are inducing fear and panic in people. Now, what about ghost sightings? Well, not only can these frequencies affect how we feel, but they also affect how we see. According to NASA, sounds with a frequency of 18.9 hertz can resonate within our eyeballs if they are powerful enough. Within our eyeballs. <laughs> this... Adam T. did not sing it. Jenny, no. that's Jenny's uh, that's my embellishment. <laughs> this resonance in our eyeballs can smear our vision so that a small object like a speck of dust can appear as a much larger moving object. This frequency can be reproduced by exhaust fans in buildings and further amplified by the shape of the room. So your friends that have come into your studio and see a ghost in your chair may have just smeared vision caused by low frequencies being produced by an exhaust fan, which are then resonating within the room. So sorry if I ruined ghosts for you <laughs> by giving you a scientific explanation for them, but I just found this really interesting and had to share it with you. P.S. Sorry, Kristen, I don't have an explanation for bathtub faucet thing. That's super creepy. Yeah, that is super creepy. This is so amazing. This is amazing. I love it. it. Adam, it does not make me not believe in ghosts, but it does give me a lot. It makes me believe in Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I, like, the thing that's bananas about this, I mean, it's it's great on so many levels, but we record in this studio, the studio where our friends saw a ghost sitting in the chair, the, the very chair I'm sitting in right now, right? Here's a fact you don't know. We have had... A crazy time trying to get the microphones in this office to not have a hum that we cannot figure out where it comes from. We cannot figure out what the microphones are picking up. They hum differently depending on which way they're facing in the room. Mm -hmm. We have unplugged and replugged. It is a thing. You think it's ghosts? No. Oh. No. In this case, with this new information, I'm just thinking, what if there's something in the room that is at 18.9 hertz? that is messing with the microphones, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is smearing our friend's vision, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it all fits together like a beautiful ghost puzzle. Wow, what could it be? I don't know. We we might never know, but I love this. I mean, human brains and, oof, there's just a lot. I still believe, I mean, obviously, the bathtub faucet, right? It turned on. And, like, our our friend and yours, Kate Leth, uh, recently did a Twitter um, Twitter rant about a ghost story that she had, mm -hmm. which involved a knock on the door. So, no! So those things are, you know, that's that's why I hold true to my belief in ghosts. But I do think that this is very interesting, and I love it, and I love you, Adam yes. T. Not related to ghosts, but, uh, you know, in similar orbits, we find the question about the tarot cards. Um, here's the deal. Molly W., Crystal C., Elise F., and Robert W. all wrote in 
emails that were 427 pages long a piece. They were amazing. They were fascinating, but they all were like markedly different. They had some overlap, some not. They talked about the two different decks of tarot. Mm. Some of them said that uh, certain cards were certainly within the deck. Some of them said that no cards were were able to be in the deck. There was a whole tarot explosion. Wow. That was fascinating to me, but that when I went, when I sat down and like tried to be like, how do I get all this information together in a succinct fashion? I could not do it. (laughs) Um, But I do want you all to know that we received all of your tarot information and it has opened my mind. One of you, um, I believe Molly W., uh, said, Kristen, I cannot believe with your history you did not ever get into tarot. Mm -hmm. I would like to correct you. I did get into tarot. I just did not know about what I was doing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I certainly was like, I love a tarot deck and I would like for, you know, I don't want to get the death card. Like, uh, but I didn't, I didn't do the proper research. So you're right. But also I did have tarot, you know, I did. I did have the tarot experience. <laughs> oh. The tarot experience is buying a tarot deck and like looking at it with your friends. Yeah, well, like so I had some and being spooky. Yes, yes, yes. It is Jenny. Okay. Um, These tarot cards go great with my long velvet frock. <laughs> so we've gotten some um, some questions from Twitter that I would love to tackle yeah. if you're into it. What's up, Twitter? Uh, what's up, Twitter? Nina. Nina has a three uh, three parter. Three prongs. Three prongs to this question. Are you going to WhedonCon? We are not going to WhedonCon, and I will tell you why we are not going to WhedonCon. It is because we are going to a camp, a camp run by Autostraddle and me, Kristen Russo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a camp for queer and trans women and non-binary folks and some trans men because gender is complicated and I co-direct the camp in May. So attendance is mandatory. Attendance is very mandatory. So, and Jenny is my wife and uh, works with me at a camp. I am the special assistant uh, mm-hmm. of emotional covering emotional needs. Yes, to and the also camp co-director and also the composer of the official a camp theme song. Uh, written by you, performed by you. Is it official? At, at, it is official. Because wow. you want to know what? I'm the co-director, oh. so I can make it official. Nepotism. Uh, it happens at the same time as WhedonCon, so we will not be there this year. But um, if you are going to WhedonCon, you should go check out a panel being done by Sunnydale Study Group and Hellmouthy, two other Buffy podcasts. Believe it or not, there are a bunch. Yeah. Uh, and the lovely people at Sunnydale Study Group and Hellmouthy are doing a panel at WhedonCon and they have asked us if we could participate virtually. So we're going to send them a special video that they will be playing at that panel. So if you are going to be at WhedonCon, go check it out. Have a good time. Be there for us in spirit. We will be missing you from Wisconsin where we'll be with a bunch of queer and trans people having a party of our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number two from Nina. Kristen, have you watched Angel? Why, yes, Nina, I have. I have watched Angel. I watched Angel at the same time as I watched Buffy in the order in which I was designated to watch the episodes told to us by the internet uh, so that they all of the crossover episodes would cross over Mm -hmm. the way that they were supposed to Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Um, I'm sure that what you all want to know now is are we going to do a podcast about Angel? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. As yet undetermined. we We will let you know. But we don't know. But we do love Angel. Uh, last question. Do you have a favorite episode of the podcast so far? Oh, my gosh. Do you? I love the live episode, yeah, right? Same. The live episode same. is so fun. Yeah, the live episode is my favorite episode. It, there's just something. It's like, you know, we sit in this room, this quiet little room, yeah. and we talk to you, and then later, 
you listen and you might have responses. Somebody wrote into us about how they love our podcast so much that when they drive around in their car, they punch the ceiling uh, when they <laughs> when their out loud laughter isn't enough. So we know you're having emotions out there, um, but we can't hear them uh, in real time. But that's why the live episode was so fun, um, both it, to do it and to also listen back to it because you can hear the response in real time and the response in real time, you know, sort of fed us. Uh, and so it had this very special energy. Totally. And it speak was so fun. It was also nice to, I mean, usually it's like us and maybe a guest, right? But right. to get to hear a variety of guests yes. within one podcast episode, really fun. And I mean, Chris, Brittany, Chris Barron, Brittany Nichols, and Gabby Dunn all did oh, such a great job. Dream team. What a dream team. And mm -hmm. actually, we will be attempting to do a live episode at A Camp. Um, speaking of A Camp and live episodes, let it be so. Let it be so. We think that will be it will be very fun. Um, but yeah, so that that was those were some great questions from Nina. One more question from Twitter um, from Matt B. Man, what is with the last initials of B? I'll be all the time. I'll be all the time. If Buffy could cross over with any other TV show, which do you think would be perfect? <laughs> which do you think would be perfect? Perfect. What is the perfect crossover episode? I mean, uh, crossover series. I mean, Buffy. all I want to see is Buffy and the X-Files. Mm. That's all I want to see. What do you think see... would happen if Buffy met um, Mulder and Scully? Um, I think Mulder would be would... all like Muldery and you'd be like, oh yeah, um, the uh, Order of Taraka, yeah, I was just uh, reading about this <laughs> esoteric hyper-regional, you know, right. micro-niche uh, folklore item that's directly related to what you're talking about. <laughs> what are the odds? And Scully will be like, I, I can't believe in anything. Scully will get knocked out every time a vampire is about to like right. go into vamp face because she's always unconscious. Scully would be like, when Buffy, would your body temperature happens. is a little higher than normal. And I think that's where you're scientifically getting this extra strength from. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, that would be great. That would be great. I think they would have a great relationship as a trio. Mm -hmm. Because Buffy sort of straddles the line, you know, between reality and, and fantasy. Like, that's her whole character is that she's got one foot in high school and one foot in the monster land. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in. I'm into that. I don't know what my favorite – you know, we have um, – we were just talking to my friend, uh, our friend – Reese Bernard, who is the person who runs Autostraddle, speaking of Autostraddle. Um, and her first response when we read this question aloud was my so-called life, which I didn't even get a chance to think about it before she said it. But I'm going to tell you what. If I could push together two of my favorite TV shows, I would do it. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think, you know who would be so into Buffy? Jordan Catalano? No. Well, Jordan Catalano would definitely want to make out with Buffy. Right. Um, right, right. But no, jo uh, Rayanne Graff. Would oh. be so into mm -hmm. Buffy. Rayanne Graff dressed up as a vampire for Halloween. Oh, yeah. Um, because she's the best and she understands the importance of vampires. Okay, okay. And I think that her, I think that, I think that Buffy, if Buffy changed schools and was going to school with Rayanne and Angela and Ricky, I think there'd be a little tension because I think that Rayanne would be super excited about Buffy and I think Angela would be kind of jealous about it. Thank you. Thank you so much for that question. So now I can just think about uh, Buffy attending the same high school as Rayanne Graff and Angela yeah. uh, Chase. Mm -hmm. That would make me happy. Anyway, um, <laughs> on to increasingly important news and emails here. We have an email from Joseph K. Uh, do you want to read it, Jenny, or should I? Oh, my gosh. You should read it because it's about Cordelia. It is about Cordelia. Joseph K. writes in, In honor of the lovely and perfect Queen C, I thought I would share some possible origins for the name Cordelia. According to my extensive Wikipedia research, the name is most likely derived from the Latin root cor, 
Dear, or cordis, meaning heart. So it could be a way of calling someone dear heart or true heart, which is what I call Cordelia all the time, <laughs> Joseph. Another possibility is that it comes from the French phrase cordelion. I don't know if that's how you say that, but it sounds good to me, uh, which means heart of a lion. A third possibility is that it comes from the Welsh name, here we go, Creedlyad. Creedly lad, meaning jewel from the sea. Isn't language fascinating? <laughs> and perhaps she was named in honor of Shakespeare's Cordelia, who was King Lear's loyal and honest daughter who proved her love by refusing to flatter her aging father, unlike her more sycophantic sisters, and suffered a tragic fate for her troubles. Miss Chase does possess a certain forthright, brutal honesty, and <laughs> we do know that Joss Whedon is a big Shakespeare fan. Spectacular? Points and information, yeah. Joseph K. Joseph K. You might know. You might have uh, hit on. You might have hit on that tip. You might have. <laughs> Joseph K. You might know that a secret way to probably get on the mailbag episode or to up your chances is by writing us something about Queen C. Yeah, that's right. Especially the origins of the possible origins of her name. Um, we cannot, of course, talk about all these possible origins and talk about. Her lion heart or her, uh, you know, forthright, brutal honesty without playing her jingle, can we, Jenny? Guess we can't. That was lovely. <laughs> lovely as always. Thank you, Joseph K., for in the inspiration. Thank you for Cord to Cordelia for existing. Praise. Um, Jenny, why don't you read Leah T.'s email here because you are the one who can answer this question. Oh, boy. Leah T. writes, Wow, I've been loving this podcast. If I started talking about all the things I love and appreciate about it, I would be talking for days. Thanks, Leah. <laughs> Anyways, after being weeks behind, I was catching up on the podcast on my commute, and the special 20th anniversary episode was playing. I work for a summer camp for girls, and as soon as I heard Demons to Fight, I knew I wanted to be able to play it at a campfire. Would I be able to get the chords for the song, as well as the okay to perform it? Finding slow songs that are empowering, don't focus on romantic love or home, and in general super rad, is surprisingly difficult. Which is why I was so stoked to hear it. Leah T. Leah T is not the only person who has written into us to get chords to some of the songs for a summer camp. Like it's not summer camp, right? And not the first person to write us to request the songs for a summer camp for girls specifically to empower them. I can't. We cannot. This is cannot. the best. You can play. Of course, you can play it. Please do. How will you play it if you don't have the chords? I shall prepare them for you. That is wonderful, Jenny. I wrote to Leah and I asked Leah when the camp started, and Leah said the end of May. So I'll be a hustling to make that chord sheet happen. Yes. So follow us. If you don't already follow us, follow us on Twitter at BufferingCast or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BufferingCast, and we will. Get you the chords for demons to fight, uh, and Patreons uh, keep your keep your eyes appealed as well because mm -hmm. you might get some bonus chords over there. Absolutely, um, and we'll let you know what's where and when's where and what's what <laughs> as soon as we get there. Yes, great, 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 great. great, great. Um, so this has been a lovely time. What a delight! There's one more email. There's one more email. Oh, is there? There is. Um, in a recent episode. 
Giles said to Buffy that he believed it was staking time. Buffy was taking out her anger about Ted, uh, you know, fight, oh, yeah. fighting a vamp a little bit mm-hmm, too much. Mm-hmm. And Giles said, it's, it's staking time, Buffy. And that inspired me to sing a song <laughs> or a part of a song on the episode of our podcast for Ted, Staking Time. Mm-hmm. That's all I did. I put a couple notes into the universe that had been written for me by someone else with new words. And Brittany M., Brittany M. wrote in because Brittany M. wrote the full song for us. Wow. Staking time. Lyrics by Brittany M. And Jenny is going to perform the song for us all. Brittany, thank you for your <laughs> lyrics. That was great. Jenny, great job. Thank you so much. Brittany, great job. Great job, Brittany. And you would not believe it if we told you, but we're going to tell you and you're going to have to believe it. After we got these lyrics and we recorded this song, we got another email from Alyssa who also sent us a completely different set of complete lyrics to this song, which is phenomenal. Unbelievable. 
Believable. Unbelievable. You all are the best. Um, we did make a live video of Jenny recording that song, and that will be up again for all of our patrons. We said that up at the front of the episode in case you are new and you don't know what that means. We have a Patreon account. It's found at patreon.com forward slash buffering cast. Uh, and over there, you can get all sorts of fun rewards for supporting this podcast, one of which is joining us for that Buffy watch we talked about on April 24th, another of which is uh, seeing this live video of Jenny playing the song. And we will also uh, put up Alyssa's complete lyrics uh, that were sent through to us so you can see the alternate version as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check that all out over on Patreon. Well, that does it for us for today's mailbag. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. You can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. You can find me on Twitter at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at BufferingCast. And shoot us an email anytime for future mailbag consideration at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. And of course, we will see you next week. And guess what we'll be talking about next week? Surprise. Ah! It's going to be a good one. For real. See you then. Till next time. Ow! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.